Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. From ASE certified expert technicians to new smart services that keep you connected, Pep Boys Auto Service and Tire Centers keep your ride humming. Open seven days a week. Pep Boys, we go further to help you go farther. New Pod City, the only podcast hosting company in New Jersey, presents Podstock, the 2022 annual podcast conference. At Podstock, you'll hear from seasoned professionals in the podcast industry, interact with other podcasters, get familiar with equipment from podcast gear manufacturers, and enjoy a day that is programmed for experienced and beginner podcasters. Podstock, June 11th from noon to 6 at the Masonic Temple in Trenton, New Jersey. Get your tickets now at podstock.us. Goldilocks Productions broadcasts universal cosmic frequencies that unlock, awaken, and expand the consciousness of our worldwide viewers and listeners. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the Goldilocks Productions presentation of the In the Psychic Flow Show with Caroline Carey. Hi, everyone. Good evening, everybody. So nice to have you join us tonight. I started a little early. I was a little... I'm anxious to get going here tonight. We have a wonderful guest. Um, thank you for joining us for this uh, special event. We have a wonderful guest with us this evening. I welcome our viewers and listeners, uh, YouTube channel, Goldilocks Productions, YouTube channel, Facebook, uh, Spotify speaker, Periscope, wherever else you are viewing from. Um, I hope you sit back, relax, and listen to this great guest that we have this evening Karen Francis McCarthy is joining us tonight, and she is uh, the author of one other book. This is her second book, A True Story of Awakening to Love After Life. The title is Till Death Don't Us Part. So it is a true story of awakening to love after life. Great, phenomenal information story. It just blew, blew my doors off. I really like it. Uh, welcome, Karen. I just want to hit a few of your your bio a little bit, and because I'm I'm going to ask you questions about it. Um, you're a published author, public speaker, spiritual medium, and healer. Uh, you're a former media political journalist. Your first book, The Other Irish, was supported by Ireland. Ireland. Uh, you were a skept, a blend of skepticism and Celtic mythology, I would say, right? Would you agree yeah. with that? A little bit? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. You are, you've done produced documentaries. Mm. You're researching a PhD. Yeah. You trained at Arthur Finley College in London. Yeah. You teach in the USA, Ireland, and online, and you're also working on a new nonfiction science book, Science and Spirituality, regarding science and spirituality. Mm-hmm. Your website is karenfrancismedium.com. Mm-hmm. Right. You have the similarities in your book are absolutely astonishing. You talk a little bit about your daily life before in your relationship 
before you lost your beloved Johan, mm-hmm. your fiance, quite unexpectedly, way too young. Mm-hmm. And your book details the trauma of that. And I just want to say there were a couple of quotes in here that I found so touching. It just rang so true for me. One thing that you say is, I feel like I've been dragged through a hedge backwards. Now, I say that all the time. I don't know if I got that from you or where I got it from. (laughs) I don't know where I got that from. My mother, I think. Oh, really? Okay. So I say to people that when you first begin to work with spirit, that's what it feels like. And it does. It feels like you're totally unbalanced and you're being dragged someplace and you have like no brakes on, right? Mm -hmm. Or experience into the psychic and spiritual world uh, which was generated by this great loss or awakened your abilities because you talk Mm -hmm. about your family life and how your family brought up a few instances of psychic ability you had as a child. Yeah. I'd forgotten, Um, long forgotten about. Yeah, they had long forgotten about That's absolutely amazing. So I think- And me me too. I'd forgotten about them too. You know, what I wanted to ask you is, and ask our viewers, anybody who joins in, we're not going to be doing uh, many readings tonight, but we we will take some interesting questions. If you feel like asking uh, Karen Francis McCarthy regarding her book, which is outstanding, and her abilities as a medium like how this triggered her abilities or anything along her uh, wonderful speaker. Uh, I also wanted, there's another quote in here I want to throw in here before I forget. And that was, let's see. When you're talking about grief, this, this just hit me right in the chest when I read it. It's a description of shock, really. I don't even think you got into grief yet. Talking exhausted me. Not talking exhausted me. Sleeping exhausted me. Boy, that pretty much sums up. Sums it up, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, boy, do I identify with that. I I really do. Mm. Um, What? There were so many, as your book goes along, I don't want to give the whole thing away, but I have to say the... The experiences that you had are really remarkable. Mm. So was it, I I think that I can conclude from the book that you were a latent psychic medium, perhaps, and maybe this opened up the door or what's your theory? Um, I think, I'm not really sure. I mean, I've got to be honest, I was definitely, and, you know, just to clarify, this is actually a memoir, so it's not me, you know, it's actually, I wrote it sort of as creative nonfiction to tried to just present my story as I went as descriptively and as honestly as I could so that the reader could just kind of follow along. So at no point am I trying to claim I have answers because most of the time I didn't. I was discovering it as, and I was discovering and finding answers to situations as they were arising. So I decided to write it as a memoir, which was the decision I had to make to begin with, which was, you know, as a journalist, obviously, looking back, you know, the, the obvious choice was, let me just write a book that's sort of a nonfiction, talk at you, tell you, give you the facts, here's a bunch of research sort of, sort of, you know, book. Or, and I thought, you know, there's kind of quite a lot of books like that out there. And I thought, I think it would be more useful to sort of present the story as it was evolving. So it's actually, so the book reads like fiction, but every single word of it is true. It's, it's you know, so it's just creative nonfiction, really, nonfiction. But um, it's so that the reader can kind of come along with the story and make their mind up as they go along, the same way as I was making mind, my mind up as they go along. So I'm never at any point in the book trying to convince anybody of anything. I mean, really... All I'm trying to do is present the story and it either resonates or it doesn't. And if it resonates, hopefully it was helpful. And, you know, I, I actually was over out for a walk in Central Park with a friend of mine, this guy the other day, and he read, he loved it. And I kept, I was so surprised because he's such the cynic himself. And, you know, as we were talking, it turned out, no, he was just, he just really enjoyed the story. He didn't quite make the connections to the spirit. We couldn't quite make the metaphysical connections. But he just really enjoyed the story. But I would have been absolutely astonished to convert him because that would have been like trying to convert him. I mean, I would never 
have bought into this or gotten on board with this, Caroline, you, as you know, we've spoken before, if it hadn't come along and like it slapped me in the face, really, do you know what I mean? I would never. Yeah. And it was relentless, as you know, from reading the whole first third of the book is just stuff happening. One thing and creepy things and scary things and synchronicities and all sorts of stuff going on. Like at one point, my friend Roisin said that, you know, I said, I've come across this theory that, that, you know, there are these things called signs that people claim are from the afterlife. And she was like, you're not getting signs, you're getting burning bushes, you know, yeah, because, right. because it would never, I would never have been convinced otherwise. I certainly would never have been convinced had I not been dragged through that myself, you know. And so I'm not trying to be didactic. I'm not trying to talk to, at anybody or convince anybody. I just try to share the story and the experiences as extraordinary as uh, as extraordinary as they were for the reader to decide for themselves if this is something that makes sense to them. And, and I've been very surprised um, at people who've come back and said, you know, it just made something click for me that I, you know, was niggling around. But even if you don't believe it, believe that consciousness survives mm-hmm. death, it still stands on its own as a story, you know, which is also, which is also entertaining, also nice, you know, as well. It's just a nice story. So, um, yeah, it's um, so that's really the reason I just want to kind of clarify that. That's the reason why I wrote it as a memoir. And that's the reason why I just really wanted to present something, you know, as honestly as I could, because you've just got, you know, and you probably read yourself, you know, you, you end up having to sort of put yourself, your, your whole yourself out there, warts and all, you know, because it's a very difficult thing to do because you really, you know, my first impulse is, oh, I don't want to have to admit that or I did that or I was that mean or nasty, to say, yeah. you know, but um, but you have to. Otherwise, you're phony because none of us are good running around with wings, you know, so. Right. So, but that was it. But that was really the reason why I wrote it the way I wrote well, it. Well, I love the style, um, however you want to categorize that, because um, it unfolds as if you're, you know, I'm experiencing this with you. Yeah. And your experiences are amazing. I don't know what else to call them. The signs that you receive are amazing. Now, I've received a lot of signs from the spirit world, but nothing like knocking you over like what you received. And um, so I have to imagine that Johan in life was very dynamic. Uh, yeah, and, and absolute cynic himself, you know. Yes. And so I can't imagine the surprise he got. You know, and then, uh, but, and this is something I've said, you know, people have often, people often um, get this whole concept of science. Like, so for the first third of the book, when I'm an absolute non-believer, you know, um, because, you know, I, I, as I said, I had been uh, in Catholic school in Ireland and ran out of there at 17 when I got out of hospital as fast as I could. (laughs) And that was the end of it for me. And I was the complete... Um, atheist. I did practice Zen for many years, but Zen is non-theistic, so there's no god or dogma. It's just you know, there's no reincarnation or afterlife or anything like that in Zen. So it was easy for me just to sort of sit in my cushion and meditate and try to live a positive life. Um, but this sort of stuff, no chance at all. And certainly for him, for Johan, neither. So I do believe that he knew um, what it was going to take for me to get it, for the penny to drop. Um, And it's something that I've talked to, people have asked me about a lot because I come across a lot of people who call me up and they, or, you know, we we have chats and they say that um, they've been looking for signs and they've read the book or they're in the Facebook group and everybody's seen butterflies and red cardinals and rainbows and they're not seeing any of this sort of thing. And, uh, and And what I've kind of said all along is that I do believe that the cookie cutter sign is not necessarily how it works. Like right. if if your mother, father, son, husband, whoever, wife, whoever is, has gone on and is in spirit form now, their personality doesn't, they don't become a different person when they get to the spirit world. They know you just as they knew you. They're just as they were, you know, and um, we, we change gradually over time, but we don't get to the spirit world, spout, sprout wings and, be, and get harps. I mean, so they're still the same person. So I often say to people, like, instead of looking for the generic sort of A to Z of signs, pay attention to things that remind you of the person, because that's 
the sign because they are who they are. So the thing with with and um, you know I don't want to give it away because it's the end of the first third of the book. The whole but there's a whole butterfly sequence which you read. Yes, I don't want to give it away. But you know the way that kind of came through to me, and for anybody listening, I don't want to rob you of it. But if you read it, you'll notice it. It didn't come through the way people say, "Oh, this is the way it should be," because right. it wouldn't have made any sense to me. If I start, if the red cardinal had flitted along and landed beside me, that would have never said Johan to me. You know, if you know, but he was such a tech. He was so tech. He was so techy. He was such a tech geek that things like my tom tom, you know, my GPS, just sort of springing to life when the battery was yeah. dead. And that said him to me more than a cardinal or a butterfly or a rainbow. None of that would have said that to me. And I think it's that's, you know, people can really can get very upset because they're looking for these generic signs. And I always say, look for what speaks, reminds you of your loved one, because that's how they're showing. They're, they're still themselves. That's where the sign is. Does that make sense? Do you know? I'm so, I know it's a bit abstract. Let me give me specifics. But um, it just, you know, ask that, you know, are disappointed yeah. because they're not getting, you know, when they call for a reading or something, they're, they're not getting the signs that they expect. Mm. And I too will say to them, you know, I got signs. So even when I'm doing a reading, I'm getting things that I wouldn't expect either. I mean, mm. um, it's more subtle, I would say, or it's unique to your experience or to that, you know, what you're saying is it unique to the person that passed. Mm-hmm. You would reckon yeah. it's not, it's not going to be what's in someone's book. It's going to be unique to your situation. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. And so I, I think it's important. Yeah, it's important to allow your loved one be themselves as well in, in those signs, you know. I mean, I have, you know, I've, you know, you can see in some of the things that are happening to me. I mean, the first third of the book is about signs. The, the, the rest of it is not because the rest of it was, was about learning the language of, right. you know, continued communication. But it took took all of that time just to get through to me that I'm here, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think it's important that, you know, the other thing I say often is, is that what people don't realize, one of the most common things is, so, you know, sometimes we're ruminating, you know, the way we just ruminate. And ruminating is just such abstract thought. We're just not thinking in sentence, we're just ruminating. There's no real clear anything. And then a thought can just pop into your head. Or a memory is just triggered out of the blue. Yes. You know, of your loved one or whatever. And it's almost, my mother does this all the time, interrupts my thoughts, you know. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, but, you know, what people don't realize is, is that they think, oh, I've just, out of the blue, just this, this memory just popped into my head out of nowhere of my loved one. And they think they've just thought about their loved one when, in fact, their loved one has just thought about them and they Beautiful. felt the thought. And people yeah. discount yeah. that and they don't realize these things because they're, they're thinking they should be looking for a rainbow or a butterfly, you know. So it's, it's, um, it's very exciting. Um, and I find it's very exciting to sort of start learning these things and instead of going, here's what the book said, this is what we should be doing. Do you know what I mean? It's how is your loved one choosing to communicate with you, you know? Right. And to learn that language is, I find really interesting and like my mother behaves very very differently to johan yes you know? and uh, and i know immediately it's my mother mm-hmm. you know because oh, well that's my mother that's my mother <laughs> the minute you hear something clear as a bell to go fleshly off the well that's my mother I, you know um very different you know but they're all very different you know and i and i think that people should enjoy you know i think getting to recognize those signs of their loved ones or the, the evidence of their loved ones in their life around them. Quite astonishing. Some of the things that happened to you um, in the book. And I think it also um, allows others, the reader to be open to their own journey because yeah. grief is a journey. Probably mm-hmm. um, you, we've shared a few similarities in Reiki experience. Reiki, you went to classes, you pursued some classes with uh, Reverend Janet Nahavek, which mm. from the uh, Journey Within Church, I was, uh, uh, you know, I know that about you. But I was like, wow, that's a similarity too. I've met her. She's been here in Sarasota. So I mm. have met her a couple of times. I had a, a gallery reading from her, which was absolutely astonishing. Um, I have heard and talked to people that went to Arthur Finley College fascinating experience I would imagine mm. and so 
all of the things that you uh, have accumulated, it's like step by step by step. Mm-hmm. When you first started experiencing, when you were with that little kitten, little cat, yeah. in, in a borrowed house, and just babysitting in a borrowed house, you had no idea that you would arrive in London at Arthur Finley College. Oh, God, no. It never occurred to you that you would go that far, right? Oh, never. I mean, I, I like I said, you know, this, the, the way I wrote the book, I was like literally just trying to figure out what was right in front of my nose at any given moment in time. And it just one one step led to another step. You know, um, you know, what had happened, as you know, from reading the book is after I finally, with an awful lot of help, with a lot of a lot of intervention from him, with a lot of help from helpful people who were put on my path, which is another thing that happens quite a lot as those sort of helpful people showing up, you know, somebody in the higher realms is helping you out when that sort of thing happens, you know. But quite a lot of helpful people put in my path who helped me eventually get my head around this to understand what was going on in a way. And as you know, I did like all of this research. I mean, I was reading Schrodinger and, and, and you know, I mean, I was reading all of the scientists as well, trying to figure out, you know, I mean, I didn't go to the sort of new age literature, the spiritualist literature. My go to was Carl Jung, you know, and yes. Erin Schrodinger and, you know, and, and people like that. But, you know, eventually I managed to, in a way that was some, I managed to get there in a way that only I could get there. And that was by realizing that a lot of these scientists, you know, bomb a lot of the quantum, early quantum scientists really believed that materialism didn't explain the universe. And so I managed to get to the final sort of light bulb popping on the awakening to what that consciousness survives death really after a long, as you know, an arduous path, you know, got there eventually. Um, I'm sure plenty of people would have gotten there a lot faster than me, but I was not an easy nut to crack. That's for sure. You know, Um, but after that, it was really just really soon as, and as you said earlier, as soon as it became obvious to me, oh, the only, you know, Occam's razor, the simplest explanation for what is going on here is that consciousness survives death. Once that became the epiphany, that, that, that moment that was an epiphany, what started happening was other people, not Johan, could be sitting with somebody in the park and somebody would come in just randomly it happens in the early days when you've, you've got really low boundaries, you know, yeah. um, people would hop in. I would just sort of say, oh, somebody's here who looks, do you know this person? I would describe them, whatever. Uh, what I realized, a couple of people did encourage me to actually what, go do this, go out yeah. and actually tell people I could do it because they said it would be very helpful. But I really wanted to make sure if I was going to go out and say to a complete stranger, I can mediate a conversation with your loved one in the spirit world for you, that I have pr- the proper training, that I know what I'm doing because I didn't want to... I knew how vulnerable and how fragile grieving people are. I had been one. And as you know, in the book, I ran into some people who were very suspect. And I really wanted to make sure that if I were going to go out and say, okay, I can, let me see if I can go find your husband, your mother, your son, daughter, whatever for you in the spirit world, that I had very rigorous training, that I had very solid understanding of what was and wasn't true. I even st- I even did um, a couple of courses in grief and bereavement counselling with the Institute of Counselling in Scotland, just to make sure that I didn't st- accidentally do harm. I wanted to make sure if I was going to help people, that's what I was helping them, and that I was wise enough, educated enough, and trained enough to not do harm. And that became very important to me, and that's why I ended up heading off to London to the college and you know, I mean, and I did a lot of work, as you know, at the college, because I ended up getting three awards there, their certificates yes, of recognition. Did. And that and took four Leadership, healing, and public uh, speaking, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really because, I mean, it took four years to do all of the work and all of the assessments and everything to, to get that back and forth, um, traveling back and forth to that and doing all these courses. Um, but it was really important to me to do that. You know, um, it was very important to me that, um, people not be harmed, that people be helped, you know. And um, I had had so many difficult 
uh, and experiences with many mediums myself as I started trying to explore this world, as you know. And at least the one thing I had going for me was that I had a direct line of communication to Johan. So they could be, you know, I was sitting there uh, one night uh, with somebody who was telling me all this information from him. Um, he's this, he's that. And I was, and it was just made no sense. So I'm sitting there and I say to him, are you talking to this person? And he's like, no. But so I ha- I was able to verify myself if there was any truth in any of this. But most people who sit in front of you don't have that ability. So they're very vulnerable to yes. what the medium is saying. Yes. You know? So I just wanted to be very, very careful. I mean, um, the integrity, the work is, to me is so important. And, it's, it's, and we're dealing with, an in, and dealing with very vulnerable people who are in a very fragile state all of the time. And they really, really need to be able to handle that well. And that was really a priority for me to be able to do that. And that's why I spent so much time training. I want to just uh, interject here. We are not going to be doing many readings today, uh, but you can ask, feel free to ask any questions pertaining to Karen's work and her books. Um, I'd like to point out her website to you. It's KarenFrancisMedium.com. We also spoke about um, ISC Spiritual Center. You'll see Karen September 13th there, 1030 on a Sunday morning, giving the, what do you call that? The, um, the address. I'm going to be giving the address. The address. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've met many spiritual. And, and the messages. I'm doing, I think I'm doing the, the messages. messages. Well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you'll see Karen working there. You can also see some things in her media package on her website. Uh, both books, I would imagine, are listed there. This book that you uh, just finished, Till Death Do- Don't Us Part, I saw that it sold out. Uh, it sold out a couple of times. Uh, the first the first day it was released, actually, it sold out. So I don't know how many copies they had, but it had been on pre-order for three weeks. And then, the, um, and then before it was released on July 7th, and then on July 7th it sold out and by July 8th. And then I guess they restocked. But it's, yeah, I just saw on Amazon yesterday, it's, they didn't have so many left in stock. They were waiting for more to come in. So hopefully that's a good, hopefully that means people are enjoying it. Well, I don't see how they could not. Um, what I liked about it for me personally, I shared a few things with you, a couple of uh, uh, spiritual centers that I was familiar with um, and teachers that I went and other authors uh, that I was familiar with. I, I trained at a, uh, it wasn't a spiritualist church because our founder was uh, a little unique. She was direct voice medium that founded the mm. church I studied at. Mm. So, but we had a lot of guests from spiritualist churches. And I find their, um, their messages and their training uh, is spectacular, bar none. You know, they really mm. are, um, have that humility and that sense of, uh, a healing grace. So I, I want to mm. mention yeah, grace, that. Yeah, grace is a good word. I think it's yes. an important, important word as well. And, and just the idea of, the, I think it really needs to be approached as if it's sacred, you know. Yes, sacred, sacred work. work. Yes. It has changed my life in my little niche. And uh, and I'm very grateful and honored to do that. I I love the way that you pointed out that even though you are an accomplished author, um, as a correspond, a war correspondent. I, I didn't say I was accomplished author. I just said oh. I was an author. <laughs> I'm saying you're. Yeah, you said you said you're an author. I'm saying you're an accomplished author. Even even with this background as a war correspondent, author, uh, mover and shaker in a lot of situations, um, keep your wits about you, skeptical. Even with all that. I think that you were so able to dissect everything that happened to you in a way and portray it in a way. I, I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, but I feel that your skepticism and your your sense of being in the here and now and have mm. been through so many scary things, I would imagine, that mm. to even be – it was kind of funny when you when you were scared by a couple of situations in this borrowed home – and I'm thinking, God, she's been through bomb blasts and uh, over bodies and wrecked buildings in her career as a journalist. And she's scared by a sound. And, you know, I really identify with it. I was like, thank God, because 
I've been scared too, you know? Mm. And I think that makes people feel better. You would feel as, you know, you're like a veteran uh, experiencing a lot well, of Well, it's because you can't see. You don't know what's going on. You can't see it, you know? And That's it's just, it. you know, it's just weird. I mean, now it doesn't bother me, you know? This okay, it doesn't happen that often now because over time, you sort of, as you know yourself, you kind of develop boundaries. There's, now I'm working and now I'm right. going to the supermarket and that's yeah. all I'm doing, you know. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't happen as much now as it used to because I've learned how to just sort of this is, you know, set those boundaries. But uh, when it does happen, it is, it is, I mean, just very briefly, there's, you know, um, when I moved into this new apartment first where I am now, which I talk about in the book, yes. I was only here about six months or a year or something when the guy on this downstairs from me was murdered. Oh, and I didn't yeah. know him. I'd never met him. Um, but uh, and I, I don't think, I think, it, you know, I think it was probably a, a drug related thing because yeah. nobody heard the shot, which meant some, you know, so, yeah. but I, I actually didn't know each I came home one evening, I went to bed and at two o'clock in the morning, I woke up and I could sense that there was somebody very, very unhappy in the room. And uh, I didn't, it wasn't until the next day when all of the cops lined up and were up and down the stairs that we realized yeah. this guy that had been shot and his body had been lying on the floor. But uh, so it still was very disconcerting. Mm-hmm. You know, to, you know, at that point, I was able to say, listen, I don't know who you are. So I'm not really sure I can help you. So I'm just going to get back to bed now. You know, um, But uh, when, it, the, that, when it happened in that scary house that I was house sitting in Virginia, when all of this happened, the scary house, the little cat that you've been talking about, I had no idea. I thought people were breaking in. I, th- yes. you know, there's that scene. If we have time, I'll read it later where I thought somebody has some weird stuff is going on in this house because somebody's actually broken into the house was what I was thinking. So I, I was scary. You know, you're kind of running around thinking you better get something hard to wallop them with, you know, but uh, but you, you get used to it after a while. And, you know, it comes to this is probably a conversation for a whole other day is that, um, you know, the spirit, nobody from the spirit world is going to come and do you harm. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, a lot of people out there say, "Oh, you know, the you can there's you know negative entities and stuff." Well, right. I've never I've never encountered them. I mean, I just came across a drug dealer who was murdered downstairs for me, and he didn't do me any harm except wake me up at two o'clock in the morning. You know, do you know right. what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't. I don't see it happening. So, I- the we're going family style deal because I want a bite of your Big Mac and I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your fillet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. The I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. I think also we can project an awful lot of stuff into these situations. Out of fear, probably. Yeah. Or because people don't have the knowledge. So, don't have the knowledge, uh, yeah. yeah. That's where uh, your website is very helpful because your books are helpful. Uh, and you're writing about, oh, I love that angel card, by the way. That was one of the signs. I love the angel card that Johan. Yeah. I love that. Those coincidences, synchronicities that happen. Those things are important for people to know because that's how spirit communicates. And that's what we were saying earlier. It's like watch out for those things that say more about who your loved one is than something that was listed in a text in a book someplace. Yes, people need to be, or the tug of the hair, Things yeah. like that. That's pretty common. Mm-hmm. Um, some people do experience it. But, you know, you discount those signs. And so when people ask for signs, I want, I would like our viewers and listeners to know that you are getting signs. You just may not be tuned yeah. into them or aware of them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk about a little bit about, um, and I'm so sorry for your loss. I, ha- I have to say that. I know it's mm-hmm. been quite some time, but it's still there. And I like how good comes out of bad things sometimes, that there's a spiritual Mm. blessing that comes from a loss like that. I find that happens 
quite a bit. And mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't it doesn't sound like something you'd want to, you know, hang on to. But boy, else, when it happens, so you know, you know, mm-hmm. there was a meaning behind the pain. You know that there's something. Uh, well, I think you can certainly um, choose to use it. Yes, that's what I meant. Yes. Yeah. Um, well yeah. And, you, you know, then I, I actually find that sometimes the people who have suffered the most can be the most compassionate quite often because they just know what it's like to be there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's a choice. I mean, just because somebody ends up in crisis it's every yeah it is your choice whether or not you actually want to do something like what i did or not do something like what i did you know it's really it's it's really up to the individual what what is right for you i think you know in the end mm-hmm. and and this just seemed to be so bizarre to me all of the stuff that went on for me just seemed to be so so bizarre there seemed to be it would have been lunacy not to keep pursuing it you know for me yeah. that was just made more sense to keep God, you know, plus I was just really curious. I mean, even just the sort of the pers- the sort of the, the need to know. I had this compulsion and the curiosity that I had. I just needed to, you know. I was like, I really want to um, know more, know more. I just couldn't read enough. I couldn't interview enough people. Right. I, you know, I was just. It was such a whole new world, and it was just fascinating to me. So that even in itself compelled me to keep going to find out more. I love the, um, there's a, you met with a friend of yours, Justin, mm. who gave uh, a really, a really nice, I had to copy this down because I wanted to bring it up. Um, Justin told you your fiance, Johan, really got you mm. because he said the journalist bit with you mm. and he's giving, Johan is giving you clues because he knows you will follow the trail to get the story. Mm. And how unique your experience is to you, mm. you know, it's just fascinating. It's just so true. He was like dropping crumbs. It appears to me sometimes spirit does that, or our guides, or we, our loved ones in spirit will drop drop little breadcrumbs for us to follow that. And yeah, I often say it's like I feel like sometimes he's talking to me like I'm a three year old, you know, because <laughs> he's in a, he's in a world that is so beyond our four dimensions, you know, our three our spatial and time dimensions that um, I feel like it's impossible to really quite understand exactly that world. And when you read some of the afterlife literature, you know, it's like it's I I often feel like what they have to do is explain everything to us by way of metaphor or analogy. Mm-hmm. So that we can understand it from with our, our own frame of reference, which is how we understand everything anyway, even on even in the physical world. Yeah. Um, and I often felt like he's I feel like he's dropping these crumbs like I'm a three year old. If I put this there, she'll understand. And I put that there, she'll understand, you know, and, and just having the patience of Job, which is which is certainly something he learned in the spirit world, because he certainly didn't have them, the, that kind of patience. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, just, you know, these little this trail for me to follow and I'm like I actually feel like I'm a child that he's having to you know show me all these things as if I'm a child you know in 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 these very simplistic ways now you've gotten there now here's the next step now here's the next step because if you'd given me the whole thing I wouldn't have ever wouldn't have been able to comprehend the whole picture if if it all been dropped on me in one go you know and isn't that true probably for all of us oh I'm sure yeah they're probably giving us baby steps. Yeah, it's so. I mean, that it's all the whole that that the entire the the entirety of eternity. I mean, that would just blow your mind. I mean, how can we possibly really comprehend something like that? We can understand it in analogy. We can understand it in little bites. And you know, if you if you if you can just go, this is the very zen thing to do is just to take it moment by moment by moment, and you just find you just follow along. You know, and you just. You just experience the moments as they're happening. You had mentioned um, some of the things that you had studied in your book uh, that I am familiar with, and maybe our viewers and listeners would like to to look at as well. Uh, Silver Birch books. Yes. Um, that was the he was channeled by Maurice um, Barbonell, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. uh, also Anthony Borga books. They were fascinating. I had to read those. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Classes. I have. What's that? The other side, I think. It's, the other yeah, side, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and then also, um, you know, I also liked um, W.T. Stead, who was a journalist who died on the Titanic. Um, his his daughter, Estelle, went to a medium and they channeled The That's Blue cool. Island, which is, I love that book. It's a little tiny book. and um, But it's like, oh, it's so picturesque. It's just, mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed it. You know, it's really easy to read. I also liked um, that you also went to the Arthur, um, I'm sorry, Edgar Casey. Yeah. Well, I was in, yeah, I was in Virginia at the time, which strangely enough, I'd never, I was actually down there because I had to interview some people for my first book that I was doing that I just, you know, and I had to go to army bases, people I'd been with in Iraq and stuff and do all these interviews. But, um, you know, the oddest thing, I had never really been to Virginia and I just, somebody had this house that needed a house sitter. So I went down, I stayed there to, and, and that's how I ended up stuck there. It was kind of like the Area 51 of the afterlife. It was the bizarrest yes. thing. There was the Edgar Casey Center was there. The Monroe Institute is there. The Virginia, the University of Virginia School of Perceptual Studies is there. Um, there is the, the Spiritualist Church I found was there. I mean, it was just, oh, my goodness. Like, all this stuff is just in this little area in Virginia. And I'm plop in the middle of it. And I would have come and gone in and out of Virginia and never noticed any of it. Had I had the situations that had happened to me not happened, you know what I mean? Yes. But once I started looking, I was like, my goodness, I'm surrounded by a whole bunch, a whole bunch of you know centers and universities who are actually taking this these questions and this research very seriously, which is gratifying. That's true. You know, I went to ARE on vacation with a couple of family members, and I did go there for. I took a uh, massotherapy classroom mm-hmm. my massage license and uh, so I wasn't there for mediumship but I've always I read all of Edgar Casey's work um mm-hmm. it's fascinating absolutely fascinating so a lot of correlations and I really appreciate mm-hmm. that so I recommend that for anybody who's interested in that are the there any other spa. yeah the, the, in the um, spa, yes the spa. Yeah. <laughs> is there um any other readings or that you would recommend since you've been to Arthur Finley and journey within and you are a spiritualist what was there anything that besides of course your delightful book wonderful book yeah uh, <laughs> my book. I, yeah i do mention um after my head i don't have to stop my head to have a whole list of the books but um i read an awful lot i mean i did read some of the work of edgar casey i also just read you know professor um lou legrand who has since passed the spirit who was a lovely lovely man who wrote a lovely book on grief and on signs Called Love Afterlife. I read that. Um, and I definitely recommend that to anyone. It's a beautiful book as well to read for anyone who's grieving and who is looking to see how they can continue. Because it's not just a list of signs, it's all about grief and bereavement as well. So it's very helpful. Um, and I read, you know, the usual suspects, the Evan Alexander and and Raymond Moody and um you know, that that sort of gamut of of um of people that are quite well known. Um, I think that, I think in terms of, I've kind of, some of the stuff that's written, some of the Victorian stuff is interesting. And like I said, I yeah. really did enjoy Silver Birch. And also um, the channel's work of Red Cloud as well was another person yeah. around the same time. Okay. Um, I'm not generally a huge fan of channeled work because it's coming through the filter of the medium. Right. And so I feel like it's difficult to know how much of it was was shared by way of metaphor or analogy for our understanding because we can't just by definition understand something beyond our frame of reference um but uh you know i do reference there are some things in the book and some of it's quite heavy heady my preference is always for the scientists i've got to be honest mm-hmm. you know i actually well, last book you were you were presenting to nsu right. snu uh, yeah um, about that the talk series. about science and spirituality yeah we did. Um, we had sort of Dean, Dr. Dean Radin um, on. Uh, Dr. Dean Radin's work obviously is 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 terrific as well for anybody interested in that. Um, Chris Connolly in England, Professor Chris Rowe, the University of Northampton, they're all doing some really interesting work. Um, if you look at them, and uh, we did um, the pres the president of the college and the the pre- the principal of the college is the president of the union, and he's he's particularly fond of this as well because it was very much part of the early days of spiritualism a lot of you know um scientists were involved with it and so he kind of got behind this project to explore so we did six lectures 
which are all on YouTube, actually, on science and spiritualism. And we talked about the different aspects and some of the experiments and the work that's being done, you know, um, the, there's all the brain imaging and they're all, there's some really interesting work being done by scientists, you know, also, I mean, in this country too, I mean, over, over, uh, is it, um, ions is that yeah dean radens place over in california they're doing some interesting work as well and then there's um uh, gary schwartz um i just i've only read one ago i haven't been watch following his work particularly closely but i did read one of his one of the first books that he wrote i can't remember the name of it but you'd find it on amazon they were doing some um trying to measure some of the stuff that was going on i mean ultimately i think it's we really have to embody a sense of the sacred and a sense right. of the spiritual and a sense of our own spirituality, our sense of our connection to the greater consciousness and the, the greater power, whatever you want to call that power, you know, Brahma and God, whatever you want to call that. I think ultimately that's really where we want to be. But for, you know, people are really heady like me too. I just love when we, when people are starting to do some, you know, plug people in and see what's going on with their head when they are supposedly connecting, you know. But I think ultimately it's really is a, as much as I love the science of it and the philosophy of it, which can be very heady, you know, yes. um, I, I do think ultimately at the, the bottom line is, is that we do really need to have that sense of the sacred within ourselves for ourselves and for the great power, spirit, God, whatever you want to call that power. I think that the that's the difference between uh, I, I try to encourage people to look not only at those mediums that are on TV, John Edwards, you know, um, Sylvia Brown before she passed, mm. uh, Long Island Medium, who I absolutely adore. She's so funny. There's a difference between these type of mediums and a spiritualist, for example, because yeah. I'm sure that those are, you see on TV or there's many, many of them have their own spirituality. But the people that work within, tell me if you disagree, the people that work within the spirit, spiritualist realm, such as in the Spiritualist National Union, this is also their religion. Yeah, well, spiritualism is the religion and it's it comes really out of the churches. Yeah, I mean, it's all... There's spirit. There's Sunday services every Sunday, so there is definitely it's definitely a religion. So there's definitely so people may not know that that yeah. difference that there is you know maybe a showbiz kind of aspect to one, and where there's a a, a church or a service or a getting together a fellowship mm-hmm. uh, experience. Well, the Sunday service. I mean, at the moment, the Sunday services, as you as you know, are all on Zoom because we can't go to services. But right. I mean, it's not just the SNU. There's the um, the uh, NSAC here in the States, the National Spiritualist yeah. Association of Churches, I think, the NSAC. Um, and that's the church I went to in Norfolk. That's in my book. That's a member of that organization. So there is a spiritualist uh, umbrella for spiritualist churches here in the States as well. And there are spiritualist churches all over the country. But um yeah, uh, there is a bit of a difference between, I mean, I got to be honest, I can't really speak to the TV mediums because I don't actually have a TV. So oh, okay. I don't watch them. Well, why would um, you? <laughs> I, it's not, it doesn't really um, resonate with me all that well. I'm sure there's a reason for it, but I don't have a TV. So I've never seen any of them. Um, oh, I, except for John Edwards. I, I saw a couple of when he had his show on, he used yeah. to do um, that, that audience thing. And yes, I saw, like a gallery, I, was, I guess. Yeah, I saw a couple of those years ago because it's been a long time, I think, since that was on. But that's mm-hmm. pretty much it. I don't. It's not really. It's it's not really my cup of tea. I'm more of a. In, I'm more introverted, and I'm more bookish, and I'm more into sort of sitting and meditating and reading and writing and learning and kind of mm-hmm. you know because really more that's I'm more comfortable like in that than I am out in front of you know I'll do a spiritual service on a Sunday and give the messages and the talk but that's about as good that's about as sort of extroverted as I guess because I'm just not naturally an extrovert so that's why you're such a great writer I think oh maybe so I'm sort of sitting at home by myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) your articles you know everything that you've written that I've had the opportunity to look at 
um, you're such a great author. I mean, such oh, a great you. writer. And that's a, that's a solitary pursuit, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but you really explain things very well. Uh, so I really encourage people, go get the book, Till Death Don't Us Part. A true I, have story. A, I have a little picture of this. Yes, please yeah. do. Thanks. Did you want to read that oh. chapter? Uh, that a scene? Chapter? Yeah, I can read a scene. Yeah. See. I'll read the scene I was talking about earlier where yes. um, where uh, something woke me up um, or I thought somebody broken in. So let me, have I got the rice? Yeah. Um, all right. So this is very early on, um, as you know, Caroline, just when um, I've, it's only only a week or so since I've had the news that, that my fiancé had died. And I'm in this creepy, big, old, hulking, dark house in Virginia by myself with this little small cat. It's just me and him. And I'm sleeping in the attic, which was converted. So it's yeah. just, you know, it's an apartment, but it sounds kind of creepy when you say it was an attic. <laughs> that's, where, that's where I was. Um, so I went to bed that evening with my iPad and scrolled for something on Netflix to distract me from the past. A floorboard creaked. A shiver ran up my spine. I peered into the hallway with the uncomfortable feeling that someone was lurking in the shadows but there was no one there. Later, having watched a few minutes of everything and all of nothing, I drifted off. My iPad must have continued to pour faint flickers of light into the room until the battery died and the world fell to silence, broken only by the burp of a bullfrog, the hoot of an owl, and the heavy breathing of me sleeping. Creak. I jolted awake. The bed frame was groaning under a great weight. My heart raced. Someone had sat on the bed behind me, someone big, someone silent. Turn around, I told myself. I couldn't move. Turn around, for F's sake, on three. One, two, three. I flipped around. No one. I scrambled up, got tangled in the sheet, fell over, whacked my head on the windowsill and bounced back onto the floor. Pain scorched my head. Get up. My hands were shaking. I fumbled for the switch of the gaudy lamp. I flipped it on. No one was there. No one could have gotten down the stairs without that fast without a sound. I fumbled on the table for my phone to call 911 and then remembered it was in the kitchen. I picked up a glass Saratoga spring bottle by the neck and crept down the stairs, peering into the dark, listening for any creak or rustle. No one could move in this house without the floors creaking. Except for the faint chirp of crickets and my own stressed breath, there was silence in every room, in every stairwell, the whole way down to the kitchen, where I found the windows closed and the door locked. No one could have gotten out. Then again, no one could have gotten in. I slipped out onto the front porch and sat on the steps in a t-shirt and boy shorts, clutching the bottleneck with white knuckles, hearing nothing but the normal sounds of the night. After an hour of sitting out there in the dark, I decided that I'd imagined the whole thing and went back inside. Still, I stood in the hallway for a few minutes, afraid to move, listening, hearing nothing and no one. This was so stupid. Four years earlier, I'd spent the summer crawling around in Iraq as an embedded journalist with a striker division out of Washington and the 210 Mountain Division out of New York, washing with baby wipes and eating MREs to get a worm's eye view of the war. I waded through shit-filled creeks and bunkered down with the, with the guys during rocket attacks in, in Sadr City. I walked in the footsteps of soldiers in front of me as we navigated IED terrain. I'd been crammed into Humvees and 120 pounds of body armor and 130 degree heat as we rolled outside the wire to bullets pinging off the metal and the gunner spinning his M2 in every direction. Now, here I was, in rural Virginia, with a bruise on my forehead from imaginings in the night. Stupid or not, I didn't have the courage to go back upstairs. I wandered into the library, the smallest and most defensible room in the house, and picked up a book called Classic American Decorating. I curled up in a throw blanket on the chaise and flipped mindlessly through the pictures. It was almost dawn before I was calm enough to sleep. As I began to doze, the air around me seemed to change somehow, growing warmer or softer, maybe. A feather-like sensation brushed my forehead and both my eyelids like little kisses that felt strangely familiar but I couldn't quite remember why. <laughs> That's Absolutely. the scene we were talking about earlier. Yeah. 
not only do you write the words so beautifully, but you read so lovely too. Yeah. Thank you. So I could listen to you all day. Thank you. So what a combination. Uh, that's absolutely amazing. Fascinating book. A very interesting read. I never stopped the entire time. I just read it at one sitting. I started and I had to put it down. And then uh, a few weeks ago, and when you initially sent it to me, and then I loaded on my Kindle and just read I like to be fresh when I'm talking to somebody about it and just read straight. I couldn't put it down. Oh, that's good. It was really very, very well done. And of course, everything that you write is fabulous. Um, You're going to be doing, I look forward to September 13th, uh, ISC Spiritual Center. She will be doing, uh, Karen's going to be doing the service and messages, 1030, September 13th. That's a Sunday. Please check that out. We have that posted in the comments. Also, KarenFrancisMedium.com. You will explore more about Karen and her work. Um, you're also, her media package, her classes, her readings, how she does her readings. Um, fascinating history. Well, let me ask you, what made you become a, a, a war correspondent? Uh, there was a war on, and I wanted to know what was going on. So I emailed my editor and I said, hey, you want some stories from Iraq? And he said, okay. So I got on to the military and I got a, myself an embedded gig and I headed over there. That was why I ended up there. You were, um, if I can say it, gutsy gal. I mean. I mean, yeah, when you're embedded and it was later, it wasn't at the opening of the war. So, um, you know, the, it, the, when I was there, we were in Bakuba, which was the headquarters of mm-hmm. Al-Qaeda in Iraq. So it was a bit sketchy. But, you know, when you're an embedded journalist with the military, they never let you stray. Like, no. they don't, nobody wants to be the unit that got the journalist killed, you know. So, oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. good. To yeah. <laughs> you don't get to see a lot of, they don't, you don't get, you don't get out. I mean, you go out, but, but you're always surrounded by soldiers. Yes. And I think you talked about that experience, too. Um, Did you write about that experience, about what it was like to be, or have you spoken about what it was like to be? No, back back in 2007, I wrote wrote quite a lot about about it because I was writing for a bunch of papers at the time. Yeah. Um, And I I wrote some just sort of on-the-ground, first-hand accounts Mm -hmm. of, of it for the Sunday paper, you know, which was more magazine format and less newsy format but i mean that's what 12 14 years ago since the iraq war is a long time and and life is still exciting for you in a different way of a different a, excitement a different way yeah. a different exploring yeah. uh let me read a couple of the great comments that we have here uh nars rakasa r-a-k-a-e-s-a i'm sorry nars n-a-r-s first name nars had the opportunity to take several workshops with Karen, a wonderfully fabulous individual. Oh, um, so I wanted to read that to you. Jules is commenting that you would be great reading your own book in audio book format. Mm-hmm. You would. I like audio books. We and, were uh, going to do an audio book, but what happened was um, COVID, you know, an audio book, you have to go into a studio. And so the book came out on July 7th and around about the end of February, early March, I was talking to Beacon about doing an audiobook version of it. But either either with one of their voiceover artists trained to do this or myself. But either way, somebody had to go sit in the studio. And once the middle of March came around, they were all closed. So we might do one um, once everything opens up again. Good. I look forward to that. I think a lot of people would look forward to that. So thank you for pointing that out, Jules. I was thinking the same thing. Jules, you must have read my mind. I want to point out uh, another visitor that we have that's quite special to me. She's a friend of my daughter's, went to uh, high school and college. And Lisa Dempsey, put up your website so people can see the beautiful work that you do. Lisa made this cup for me. And it says, a medium of Sarasota. So she did this. I got this as a Mother's Day gift. And uh, Lisa's quite talented. So, Lisa, please feel free to put your website in the comments. Um, Karen, what else are you going to write about now? Um, well, I, um, 
I've got to write some features, some just some sort of news and magazine features that I've, I've got to churn out because I've been very remiss about about that, you know, of late. Um, and I had started researching a book on Irish spirituality and science, which was super interesting. Um, so I've got like stacks and stacks of notes to try to do something with that, which I think at this point I'm going to put off for another 10 years. And then um, just because it's like such intense writing and it's, I just need a break from intense writing. And then um, I'm actually at the moment uh, in the process, I'm a PhD candidate um, and I'm doing, I'm researching and writing about um, the cultural narrative surrounding the contemporary ghost. So, um, yeah, so I'm sort of looking at how all our current beliefs and disbeliefs have come to play and how that's, how, how it's been shown in, in, you know, ghost literature these days. So I'm not including my own book in, in that, but, but uh, I'm kind of, it's kind of interesting just to sort of see where a lot of our belief systems have originated from. And where a lot of our misconceptions have originated from as well and been perpetrated, you know, so. I kind of caught you out in, in your book. Um, I know that you, you qualified yourself as an atheist after mm. going through Catholic school in Ireland. You were born in Ireland, born and raised. And, mm. um, but I did see you, I did see a note here. I made a note of it because I have to laugh because we never lose our, our Catholic roots, do we? That you stopped to buy a mass card. The mask card, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, caught you out. Because I tell people, you know, you never lose those roots. Um, no. You really never do. But it was this, it, it is, oh, I find it astounding how many people still have that, even though they may not believe in Catholicism itself. But there are still icons or something. Oh, if, if a Catholic dies, you have to go to the church to get a mask card for them, regardless. Yes, yes of exactly. Anything. I thought that, I thought that for was them, so You know, yeah, for that. Because, you know, I look at you as, um, as I said, such an accomplished and well-known author and war correspondent and, and trained at Arthur Finley and all this. And I see that little bit of um, the younger gal who grew up with the Catholicism, with the Celtic mysticism and think, yeah. oh, I got to go get that mass card. And I just thought that was yeah. So, uh, once they once they get you, yeah. Once they get you, they've got you. I think <laughs> that's just fabulous, Karen. Yeah. Where are you off to now? I know it's hard for you. We have a couple of minutes. Tell me, where are you off to now? You're in. I'm, New York. I'm in New York at the moment. Um, I'm not traveling at the moment because, for obvious reasons. Just sort of sitting tight. So I'm just trying to, you know, talk to you and, you know, try to. I'm trying to do some work on this PhD while I, while I'm sort of stranded here in New York mm-hmm. and um, I mean it's definitely worse place in the world to be stranded than New York that's for sure but um, it's starting to open up so things are starting to get a bit interesting and it's funny you know how things that we take for granted are now just have become like just marvelous things I am just so looking forward to being able to go sit in outside a cafe and have coffee yes you know, the most ordinary Little things thing. in the world all of a sudden now are just oh what a treat that would be so yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'm looking forward to us all getting getting back to normal after everything that we've been through. And and as you know, New York was absolutely clobbered and I lost some friends to COVID. Yes. So um but uh so I'm just going to be here for the moment and um we'll just see what comes next. Karen, thank you so much for spending time with us tonight on mm-hmm. In the Psychic Flow. I hope we speak again. I'm sure we will. I've enjoyed I, I've enjoyed our conversation. I'm sure our listeners and viewers have too. Join us next week, people, for In the Psychic Flow, where we explore the mystical and the magical. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye, Karen. Bye-bye, Caroline. Don't want the fun to end? Grab more refreshments. Then head over to the Goldilocks Productions YouTube channel. With the huge selection of shows, the fun doesn't have to end. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.